0: Like Matt said, my name is David. Uh, welcome you here. Today is an exciting day. We' are doing baptisms, and we're going to talk about baptism, and then we're going to baptize people. It's going to be great. Uh, but I know that some of you, uh, you have different levels of familiarity with baptism. Uh, some of you, baptism may be as foreign uh, as it was to my uh, son. Uh, my son, he's four years old, my wife and I were trying to teach him about baptism a little while ago, and uh, we actually, we apparently did not do a very good job, uh, because what happened was one night he was uh, in the bath, taking a bath, and all of a sudden uh, he, he tells my wife, uh, sometimes I get baptized. <laughs> and my, we, we never taught him about infant baptism, so we thought this was a little bit weird. Uh, and so she, he, he went on there, he says, sometimes I baptize myself okay, this is getting better. Okay, well, obviously, I don't know. Uh, So my wife was like, well, James, what do you you mean? Uh, And he said, well, when my hair is dirty, I take this bucket and I baptize myself. (laughs) So if you're here and you know the difference between washing your hair and baptism, you're off to a good start. You are ahead of some. And uh, so I know that there are some of you, you are just here, you're visiting, friends or family have invited you here to watch the baptism. You're not a Christian, uh, you don't know anything about baptism. That's great. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you learned something uh, today about what Christian baptism is. Uh, Some of you are in the church. You've maybe been baptized, maybe not, and you kind of know a little bit about baptism, but you're not exactly sure. Like, what is is it exactly? What does it mean? Why Why do we do it? Uh, Or there's some of you that in the church, baptism is just old hat. You've seen a lot of baptisms, you studied it, and you said, great, a a sermon about baptism? You can tune this one out, take a little nap. It'll be great. Uh, Hopefully not too many of you. Um, But uh, I pray wherever you are on that spectrum, uh, I hope today to turn your conception of baptism a little bit on its head. I don't mean I'm inventing a new theology of baptism. All I mean is there is often another side of the coin of baptism that we don't pay attention to. Uh, So I thought of this image that I've seen online. I hope we can put that up on the screen for you. Uh, Here's this image. Kind of an ordinary image, an old uh, lady of some kind. Um, Nothing unusual about it. Uh, But if you turn the image upside down, this is what it looks like. So you you could see that there there was something there in the image, another image, but you didn't know it was there at first. And and I think the same can be said of baptism. Baptism. Baptism is often within the church, although not always, but often seen as primarily something that we do for God. It's, it's seen as something we do in obedience to declare that we are following Jesus. We talk about it in terms of obedience. We need to do this in order to show that we are a Christian, to show the world. And that's true. That is totally a true thing. That's, that's one side of the picture. But if you turn the picture upside down, if you flip the coin on the other side, there's another side to baptism as well. It doesn't replace that but it's in addition to. And that's what I hope we're going to look at today. Uh, Not that baptism is all about what we do for God, but baptism actually is primarily about what God has done for us. So would you pray with me to that end? Uh, Lord, we come uh, to your word uh, to study the topic of baptism. And we just thank you for this great gift that you have given us, the reminder of who you are and what you've done. And so I pray as we study this together, you'd give me the, the words to speak. You would uh, speak through me in spite of me. And we pray that you would be glorified uh, through this time. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we're going to look at two questions. Two questions are going to kind of guide our time for today. Uh, the two questions are this. Uh, what is baptism and what does baptism point to. What is baptism? What does baptism point to? Uh, And then we'll take some time at the end and look at how do we respond? How do we apply that to our life? So pretty simple. First question, what is baptism? Which is a great question. And what's interesting is when when you look in scripture, there are actually very few texts. There's a handful that kind of tell us theologically about what baptism is. Uh, You know, there is no uh, book that's like Baptism for Dummies, chapter 2, right, that you can just look to. We don't have the the audio recording of Paul's baptism class. But what we do see in the New Testament is a pattern of baptism. We see a lot of people actually being baptized. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at that pattern. We're going to say, what can we learn from the way in which people were baptized? What can we learn about baptism? And then we'll look at what it points to. Uh, So... As we look through, I think there's three things I want to highlight for you. Three things under this point that I want to highlight that we see. First, that baptism is by immersion, that baptism is only for believers, and that baptism is a sign of entry into the church. So if you didn't get all those three, we'll take them one by one, but immersion, for believers only, and it's a sign of entrance into the church. So firstly, baptism is by immersion. Why do we say that? Well, the word baptism, there's the Greek word that means uh, baptism is baptizo, and that word literally means to immerse or, or, or plunge or dip. So if you talk about like John the Baptist, for example, his name, if you translated it literally, would be like John the Dipper, John the Plunger, right? And so that, that's what the word means. It means to immerse somebody in water. And we see this in the baptisms of the New Testament. People, uh, John, John the Dipper, when he would go and baptize, where did he baptize people? In the Jordan River, in a river where there's plentiful of water. Uh, When the Ethiopian eunuch comes to faith in Christ, if you know that story, he's on a desert road, and he's studying the scriptures, doesn't know, comes to faith, and then he wants to get baptized. And and, and what he doesn't say is, oh, don't worry, I've got my uh, swell water bottle here in the back. Let me just dump this out on me. It'll be okay. No, he says, oh, look, we found some water. What prevents me from being baptized? So they go down into the water, come back up. So, what we see in the New Testament is that people, when they are baptized, they're immersed in water. And so you might be asking yourself, though, well, why? Why does it matter? Like, why does it matter how you're baptized, whether somebody pours water on your head or you go into the water? Good question. Good question. Hold that thought. We will come back to it. We will come back to it later. The second thing we are gonna see about baptism is is that it is only for those who believe in Christ. So this again is the pattern of the New Testament. People believe. And then they are baptized. Uh, There are tons of examples. I just found two here for you. Uh, Looking at Peter preaching at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, we see, so those who received the word, so who believed, were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And then talking about the people in Samaria in Acts chapter 8, it says, when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptized both men and women. So, again, the pattern we see is that those who believe are baptized. And I want to pause here, though, for, for a moment, because some of you, you may have grown up in a church that baptizes babies, baptizes infants, and maybe you yourself were, were baptized. And so, just, to, just so you know, the, the, I want to explain that to you and why we, we differ. Uh, so, if the, the argument for infant baptism kind of goes something like this. There's, there's definitely more to it, uh, but the basic argument is, is like this. It's that in the Old Testament, there was circumcision. Circumcision was a sign that you entered the covenant community of God. Okay. Now, in the New Testament, baptism, it replaces circumcision. So, it, it, baptism is a sign of entrance into the covenant community of God. Now, circumcision was given to infants. Therefore, they say baptism should also be given to infants. And that's more or less the argument. There's, there's more to it. Uh, but to, to get, we don't have time to get into the details. But just to respond, we as a church just feel called by, by Scripture really to kind of say, I don't think that's what we see here. And there's a couple reasons for that. And, and firstly, it's, well, there definitely are, there, there are parallels between circumcision and baptism. Uh, they aren't identical. There are similarities, but there's also important differences. And so we can't just take, okay, well, this is how we understood circumcision, therefore baptism is exactly the same. There are important differences. Uh, But secondly, and maybe more importantly, is that in Scripture, there are no occurrences where an infant is ever baptized. Nowhere in the New Testament do we see that. Nor uh, do we see that that there are anybody who is an unbeliever who is baptized, In fact, it's just the opposite. We see only people who believe are being baptized. And now there are things like household baptisms, but in most of those cases, we see that everybody who in the household actually believed. So people who hold infant baptism, they're still our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Like there are many pastors, theologians that I have learned a ton from, and they they baptize infants. So this is not a gospel primary issue. It's a secondary uh, issue that we can still link arms in the gospel for. We can still work together with these churches and with these people. But there, there are some that would, that would understand baptism in a way that does make it a primary issue. And that there are, there are some that would say baptism is necessary for you to be saved. If you're not baptized, you can't be saved. So the Roman Catholic Church is probably the the most well-known example of this. There's there's others as well. But they would say, you know what? If you're not baptized, you can't be saved. That's the way in which you're spiritually reborn. So again, but this this seems to go contrary to everything else we read in the New Testament. That baptism or uh, salvation is by grace alone, through faith, and not a result of anything we do, including baptism. So uh, for example, Jesus on the cross uh, he's there on the cross. There's a thief that's beside him that we read about in, in Luke. And uh, this thief, Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. The thief dies, but he's never baptized. Yet Jesus says, you're gonna be with me in paradise. He's saved, but again, not baptized. So it seems clear that, that salvation is not a requirement, or baptism, sorry, is not a requirement for salvation. But what we do see is that everyone who has believed They are baptized, right? And this is the third thing we see about baptism, that baptism is a sign of entrance into the church. Uh, One quick example to see that in Acts chapter 2, Peter, again, an amazing sermon about Jesus uh, to thousands of people in Jerusalem. They're all cut to the heart. And then they say, well, what are we supposed to do, Peter? How do we respond? And this is Peter's answer. They say, brothers, what shall we do? Uh, And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So Peter's instruction, repent, be baptized, and then they are added to the church. The souls are added to the membership of the church. We know how many were there. So some will say though, but if baptism isn't necessary for salvation, then what's the big hurry? Like why do we need to get on with it so quickly? Well, let me ask you a question. How is it that we publicly show the world that we are believers in Christ and we're a part of his church? Is it that we update our Instagram profile so there's a little cross in the vial? In the is it that we raise our hand with every eye closed, every eye, you know, head bowed? Did we come down the aisle to the front? Those aren't bad things. But, but biblically, how do you show that you are a member of Christ's church and that you're a believer in him? Baptism. Baptism baptism is the way. So I remember my friend Takashi, if you were here with us in February, we baptized him. Uh, He came to faith just in January. He came to faith and he comes to me one Sunday. He says, David, I'm a Christian. I say, yeah, that's great. Awesome. Praise God. And we're talking and talking. And as we kind of finish up the conversation, he says to me, David, so when can I be baptized? That's the right question to ask. That's the right question. When can I be baptized? And we, we hadn't planned a baptism service, but we were like, you want to get baptized? Okay, let's do it. And so we just, we set up a baptism. We only baptized him one person, but we said, okay, if you've got the desire to be baptized, we want to be able to baptize you. And so we did. See, in the New Testament, there is, there's no such thing as an unbaptized Christian. That's like, it's an oxymoron in the Bible. Like it doesn't exist. We, we, what we see is when people come to Christ, they're baptized. It was assumed that you would do this soon after coming to faith. And so those are our three things that we see. Baptism, it's for immersion. uh, It's done by immersion. It's for believers only. And it's the sign of entrance into the church. That's what baptism is. I know we kind of flew through that, uh, but we have to. There's not a lot of time. So point two, what does baptism point to? That's what baptism is. What does baptism point to? Okay, so if you're not clear, baptism is not about having a bath. It's not about getting clean, right? Baptism is pointing to a greater reality, uh, so if you think about it like this, if you're driving down the highway and you see a tourist sign that says, waterfall, this way, the sign itself is not the tourist attraction, right? It's pointing to the tourist attraction. It's pointing to the greater reality that they want you to see. So too with baptism. It's not about actually going into the water, but it's about what the going into the water and coming out is pointing to. So baptism is an external sign of an internal reality. Baptism, external sign of internal reality. Baptism is showing visibly what has already happened spiritually. Okay? So, uh, it is a a visual picture of the gospel. We're seeing the gospel displayed. It's, It's kind of like baptism is this neon sign that's flashing, gospel, gospel, gospel. It wants to draw us in and show us the beauty of Christ through this picture that we're painting of someone going under the water and coming out. So how? How how is baptism pointing us to the gospel? Three ways again. Three ways. There's there's many. I'll give you three. Uh, What Christ has done for us, what Christ has done to us, and what Christ has done with us. It's pointing us to what Christ has done for us, what he's done to us, and with us. Again, we'll take them one at a time. What has Jesus done for us that baptism is pointing to? Well, Jesus paid the penalty for our sin and he conquered death. And so that's what we're seeing pictured in baptism is Jesus' death and his resurrection. So when we put somebody under the water, if we just left them under the water and walked away, they would die, right? We just, they just drown in the water, but we we don't leave people in the water. We, We bring them back up, right? So what are we picturing here? We're picturing a death going under the waters of judgment and coming up to new life. And indeed, that's what we see in the life of Jesus, that Jesus actually went under the waters of judgment on our behalf, but yet he didn't stay there, but he rose again so that we also might have that hope of eternal life. So what we're seeing in baptism is when we go underneath the water and we come back up, we are identifying ourselves with what Jesus has already done. We're saying, okay, I don't need to go under the water I don't need to die to sin. Jesus has already done that. He's he's paid the penalty for me. Uh, Look with me at what Colossians uh, 2 says. It kind of connects our baptism to the work of Jesus and what he has actually accomplished for us on our behalf. Look with me here, Colossians 2 verse 12. It's it's talking about us here. It says, having been buried with him, Jesus, in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith, in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So, what we see is there, there, there is a record of debt that stands against us. You know, we, we all have dishonored God in a way that he's actually not worthy of. He's worthy of all our honor and praise and, and, and adoration. Yet we have not done that in the way we've acted, in the way that we've thought. So there's a record of debt that stands against us that needs to be paid. And what we see in baptism is we are identifying Jesus has paid that on the cross. We, we, we've nailed that record of debt to the cross. Jesus has died so that we don't have to and he risen again so that we might hope have the hope of the same. I think the story of David and Goliath helps illustrate this really well. Uh, if you know that story, maybe you've, you've heard that story before, the story of David, a young Jewish boy, goes out and faces a giant warrior. He's just got a slingshot, does his little thing, woo, head right, stone, head, dead, great. David and Goliath. But what well, we forget about this story is is that there's actually uh, two armies that are facing off. There's a a Philistine army, there's an Israelite army, uh, and these armies are ready to fight each other. But what Goliath does is he comes forward and he says, hey, enough of the. we don't need a bloodshed, we don't need a blood battle here. Let's do this. I'll fight one of your guys, one-on-one. Whoever wins, their, their army wins the battle. Bring forth your champion, he says. And so Israel, they don't want to do it, but eventually they send forth David. David goes in on behalf of Israel, wins the battle, and Israel Israel wins because David won. See, David is this this champion, this representative that goes forward on behalf of the people. So it's not just that, that David is a representative in like a symbolic way, but in a way that the fate of Israel is actually tied to the fate of David. And that's what we see in baptism. When we're going under the water and coming back up, we're saying, I didn't do the work myself. I, I have a champion, Jesus, who died and was risen again for me. Right? So that, that's what, what grace is all about. That it's not that we do something, it's not that the scales of our life, the, the bad things are weighed against the good, and God looks and says, I hope, I hope the good outweigh the bad. Notice that we, when we walk into the battle, if we walked into the battle on our own, we would die. We need a champion. We need someone to fight the battle for us. Someone who's already conquered sin and death. We have that in Jesus. So that's what Jesus has done for us. He's given us salvation through his death and resurrection. But secondly, what has Jesus done to us? He's done something to us. He's actually changed us. If you're a Christian, you've experienced this, this new heart that God's given you, a way where your desires are changed and you want to actually pursue after God. You want to actually grow in holiness. There's this, this old self that dies and this new self that's born. So look with me at Romans 6 and, and what it says. here. Paul is he's saying, okay, that's great. There's people, they're, they're objecting. They're saying, okay, you say your sins are forgiven. That's great. But then why don't you just keep on sinning? If God forgives your sins all the time, why don't you just sin all the time? And here, Paul deals with that objection. And look at what he says. He says, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? His answer, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So his answer is, no, we can't because we've died to sin. But look at how he explains and how he proves that we have died to sin. He does by by showing baptism and what baptism is pointing to. He says, do you not know? That all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. He's saying, remember what your baptism is pointing to your baptism pointing to a burial with Christ, that you have died to sin and risen to new life, that you might walk in the newness of life that God's given you. That you might walk in in the new way in which he's wired you. Right? So there there is a a old self that going under the water has died. When you're you're baptized, that's what you're picturing. Old self, dead. Sin, my desires, gone. New self, being raised up to new life. Right? So it's not that baptism itself changes you. Like you're not different when you go in the water and come back out. But it's pointing to what's already happened in your life. It's pointing to the work that Christ has done in your, your heart. That if you're a Christian, I hope you've seen this in your life. I hope you've seen it in other people's lives. Where before you came to know Christ, you're walking in one direction. You're just a life of sin. You kind of do what you want. You don't really care about what God wants. And then all of a sudden, what happens? God gets a hold of your life. He, he actually does something to you. He changes your heart and your desires. And all of a sudden, you're walking in the other direction. You're saying, no, I, I, I want to pursue after God. This is weird. I, I want to love God. I want to serve others. I want to do this. And when, when you see that happen to someone, man, it's amazing. And what do you say? You say, it's a different person. They're totally different. They're pursuing totally different things. They're a new creature in Christ. So the the, the difference before and after we know Christ, it it should be as different as as death is from life. That's the difference that Christ has done in us, right? And and it's a, a gift that he's given, it's a, a good gift that now we get to desire the things that are actually good for us. Right? We, don't, we should no more want like going back to uh, our life of sin than, uh, than, a, than a released prisoner does his prison cell. Right? We, don't, we don't want to go back to that life. We want to say, no, I want to walk in the new life, in the, the spirit that, that Christ has given me. So that's what Christ has done to us. He's given us a new heart. We see that as we, old self dies, new self dies comes back up. Lastly, uh, Christ has done something with us. Uh, he has not just saved us from uh, sin to live our life on our own, he has put us into a family. He has brought us into the community of, of faith. So we are baptized into the church. Uh, so look with me at 1 Corinthians twelve, thirteen. It says for one spirit we were all baptized into one body. So when we become a Christian, we're united to Christ and to his body. We're brought into this family of faith. And and so that's why when when we baptize people here at Tri-City, we try as much as possible to baptize people in the presence of the gathered church. We, We want people to be here. Why? Because we're saying you're baptized into the church, into this family, into this people. These are the people that are here to walk alongside you, to help you grow in godliness. These are the people to which you are going to encourage and support while you yourself are being supported and encouraged. These are the people that God has, has brought into your life. God doesn't ask us to live out our callings on our own. We're not a lone ranger. He's given us the church. He's put us into a body of people for our good. And so you may be here and you say, okay, I hear those things you're saying. I see, David, what baptism is kind of pointing to. And I, I'm not a Christian really. I'm I not sure if I believe this, but I can see that baptism is kind of meaningful for you guys. I can start to see that there's some meaning behind this. But what I want to say is the, the, thing, the claim that we're making here is not that the, these things are meaningful because they're symbolic in some way. These things are, are meaningful because the, the symbols are true, right? Like, like if, if Jesus isn't actually raised from the dead, we don't actually have the hope of eternal life. Baptism isn't meaningful. It's silly, Right? Paul says, if Christ hasn't been raised, your faith is futile. Christianity is not true if Jesus hasn't been raised. The claim we're making is the meaning of baptism is so much tied to the fact that the things they signify are true things. They're true realities. And that's what I want to encourage us with. The fact that if you're here and you're a Christian, the realities to which baptism point true to are true for you. That you actually have had your sins forgiven. The slate has been wiped clean. The burden has been lifted off your back because Christ has done all the work. You don't need to work yourself for God. You don't need to earn his favor because Christ has done that. You have the hope of eternal life. He's made you a new creature. He actually has given you new desires. He's actually remade your heart so that you've died to sin and he's put you into a family. That's true of you. and no, notice that all these things what Christ has done for us what he's done to us what he's done with us notice that we are not the active participant in that do you, you see Jesus is the one acting Jesus is the one doing everything here right he is he is the subject we're the object being acted upon right he is the one that's getting all the glory see the purpose of baptism Yes, there is an element in which we are declaring our allegiance to Jesus, but baptism is about setting forth Jesus and what he has done. We're looking at what he's done for us, how he's remade us and how he's put us into a family. Baptism, all about Jesus. It's a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of what Jesus has done. So that's what baptism is. That's what baptism points to. How should we respond? How can we participate in this? Well, if you're here and you uh, consider yourself a Christian and you have not been, yet been baptized, I, I hope the application is really clear. Be baptized. Like, I, I hope you got that. Like, that's what Christ is calling us to. Right? Baptism, as we've seen, it's definitely more than a command, but it's not less. It's not less than a command. Right? It's not the same as trying to figure out, oh man, is, is God calling me to this short-term mission trip in Guatemala? I've got to discern. I've got to figure it out. Should I get married? I'm not sure. No, baptism is not that. It's something Jesus expects of all who follow him. And I think, I think most of us know that. If you're here, you haven't been baptized, but I know it's not easy. I know the decision is not always easy. There's a lot of things that maybe get in the way. Right? There may be family obstacles. Man, your family is already hostile to your faith as it is. And you're getting baptized, man, that is just going to increase the antagonism. Or, or you're here and you're saying, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready though. I, sh- I don't know if I, I'm mature enough to be a Christian. I don't know. I, I, there's, it feels like there's more things I need to get straight first. Then I could be baptized. Or you're just here and you're saying, I, pff, I don't know. I just have put it off so long. What's one more year? What's two more years until I get baptized? I'll I'll get to it, eventually. Well, can I remind us that that baptism, as we've seen, it's the starting line of the race of faith. It's not the end. It's not the finish line. It's not checkpoint number one, right? It's the starting line. It's how you start your Christian faith, and you declare to the world and to God uh, what he has done for you. So there's no, there's not really a, a big requirement list, Right, you think about people in the church, uh, in the early church, who were, who were baptized. Some of them came to faith on that day. They weren't like, oh man, my prayer life has been so good for the last two hours. Okay, I can get baptized now. Now I'm ready. Right? No. They're just saying, okay, I believe in Christ. I'm going to get baptized. When we, when we go out to baptize people in a second, uh, what you're going to hear is we, we ask them a question, and it's based on Romans 10, verse 9, which says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a promise. Okay, so what do we ask people? What's the condition for being baptized? Do you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? And do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Do you believe the resurrection is real? And he's Jesus, your Lord. If you believe those things, we're going to baptize you. That, that, that's how, if you believe that, you qualify for baptism. But I know some of you, just the idea of a, a commandment is like icky. You're like, oh, I don't like obedience. That sounds gross, right? You don't like that. You're like, I don't think people should tell me what to do. But I, I want to remind you that, that, that obedience to Christ, his commands, they're not burdensome commands. They're good commands. They're good for us. Right? Like, baptism is, it's like Jesus said, here, I'm going to throw a feast for you. And I'm going I'm to have all of your favorite food set out. Whatever that is. And I'm going to invite all of your favorite friends and your family. The other ones we'll leave behind for a bit. They're just your favorites, right? No, I'm kidding. But you're going to invite everyone there. And then the Jesus command is, go and eat. It's a command. But it's a good command. It's a good thing for us as we glorify Jesus and we remember what he's done for us. And the church gets to celebrate with us. And we can't think that we get to decide when and where we get to be obedient to Christ. Right? If you say, I, I, I will get baptized, uh, just not now. I mean, we have to look at our heart and say, well, what is it inside of us that says we get to decide where and when we get to be obedient to Christ? Right? If, if, if you say, oh, I know God should, uh, says I shouldn't look at pornography, and I will. I'll be obedient to that, but just next year, maybe two years, when I get to it. not obedience. Obedience to Christ means he decides when and where we are obedient. I I think we should, even if you're not, or you are baptized here, I think it's a good question for all of us. Like, are, are there areas of our life that we know we should be obedient in, but we say, next month, next year, I will, I will be obedient, but not now. Where is Christ calling us to follow him? And what, what is it in our heart? What are the things that we love more that, that, are, that are stopping us from following in that obedience, whether it's baptism or something else? So, if you're here and you aren't baptized and you want to get baptized, uh, Matt's going to be out in the lobby afterwards. You can just talk to him and start getting that process started. Like I mentioned with Takashi. Like, we just set up a baptism tank because he wanted to get baptized. All right? So if you want to get baptized, we don't have to wait till six months from now. You can, we'll, we're happy to set up the tank for you. But if you're here and you're not a Christian, uh, the call for you is to just simply believe and be baptized. To trust in Jesus. Because when you go out and we, we're, we're going to baptize Courtney in a second, when you see her go under the water and come back out, the things that are pictured in baptism... They they aren't true of you. They they, they don't promise hope. What they say is you have to deal with the death. That it's not Christ's death. That eventually there's going to be a a punishment. And is it going to go on Christ or is it going to go on you? So the things that are signified in baptism are not true of you. But they could be. But they can be. You simply trust in Jesus and your sins will be forgiven, washed away as baptism washes off you. You can can go under the water and as you're under for a moment and the water is over your face, you'll experience Christ's burial. And as you come up out of the water, you'll, you'll, you'll know the resurrection to new life that he has given you, the new desires. And you'll hear the cheers of your new family saying, welcoming you in, showing you their love and acceptance. And if you're here and you, you say, man, I, I think I, I have already kind of trusted in Christ. I, I think that's true. But you're not sure what the next step is? Baptism. Go talk to Matt. Talk to one of the elders. They'd be happy to walk through that with you. And if you're here and you were baptized maybe as an infant uh, or you were baptized as a, a teenager maybe and you're sure, I, I don't know if I was a believer when I was baptized. I'm not sure if that was a legit baptism or not. Again, talk to Matt. Talk to one of the elders. They'd be happy to walk through that with you. Uh, and lastly, uh, you may be here today, and you are a Christian, and you are baptized, and you're saying, okay, well, how does this apply to me? What difference does this make in my life? Uh, well, firstly, the thing we understand is that the things that are true of the person being baptized, they're not just true of them, they're also true of us, right? The, 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 the symbols there are true of us, and watching baptism, that visual display of the gospel, it reminds us, because we're totally a people that forget. We totally forget what Christ has done. Yet here, he's given us a gift that we get to see it displayed visually before our eyes to remember him. It's the same when we, when we take communion, we're remembering the, the death of Jesus, his body broken, his blood poured out. Here in baptism, we're, we're seeing his death and resurrection. So I don't know about you, but when I go to a wedding, I am reminded of my own wedding. I'm reminded, for those who are married, if you're not married, that'd be weird, but you know, I'm reminded of what, my love for Clarissa, of the vows that we made to each other, right? And and so too in baptism, man, we are reminded of the the grace of God towards us as well. So there is a more personal application as well though, and it's really, man, if Christ has really made us new, if we have really died to sin, why do we still live in it? Like, like, why are we not pursuing the new self? Why do we keep falling back into the, are we, do we want to put to de- death the deeds of the flesh? Do we want to live in the, the spirit and walk in the spirit? Do we want to pursue that? If not, what's distracting us? What's, what, what, what's caused our attention to, to wane from Christ? If we fix our eyes on him, we will want to walk in the way in which he has made us, which he has wired us now. So here, in a couple moments, we are going to celebrate uh, with Courtney. Uh, We celebrated with Brock earlier. Uh, We're going to celebrate welcoming her into our family. And so when we do that, let's take this opportunity to put the gospel before our eyes, to remember Christ's work for her, but also for us. Uh, Let's pray. Uh, God, we are so thankful for your work. Uh, We are thankful for the wonders of your grace and that we do not have to take on death ourselves but you have taken it in our place. So please, I I pray that this baptism would be a glorifying thing to you. I pray that we'd be reminded of your grace and mercy and the hope we have in you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.